Good morning. So we're going to begin just by jumping straight into the Bible, because that seems like a good thing to do whenever you're at church, right? So if you've got a Bible with you, you're welcome to look along. It's going to be on the screen behind me. But the reason I want to start there, like often whenever we come to church, we do like a little bit of preamble, and then eventually we start reading the Bible. But I want us to start by reading the Bible, first of all, because we believe that these words are living, that they are active, and that I don't need to say anything before God can be at work, before the Holy Spirit can be moving amongst us. So we believe that when we read these words together as a family, that God is moving, that the Holy Spirit is doing something amongst us. And so as we read this little bit of the Bible together this morning, that's the mind I want us to come with, that the Holy Spirit is moving, that God is speaking before I've said anything, before I've said any of the things that I've planned to. So you might want to read along or you might want to close your eyes and, and listen to it as if you're listening to it for the first time and try and get a different perspective on it. But I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 25 and I'll be starting at verse 31. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So Father, we are expectant of you this morning. In the midst of our Christmas stupor, we are expectant that you are here, that you are moving, that you want to speak to us, that you have things to say to us. So will you give us ears to hear and hearts that are soft and willing with what you have for us this morning. Amen. So over this Christmas in Central, we've been thinking about home. That might have been a theme that you've picked up on and how knowing Jesus changes how we see home. And home is so much more than just the kind of four walls that we have around us. And it's even much more than the family that we live with or the people that we share that space with. Home with Jesus has a much greater purpose than we sometimes allow room for, and that's something of what we've wanted to explore this Christmas. Home with Jesus has a purpose, and as we go into the new year and into a new decade, 
I want us to think this morning, how then am I going to live with what I know of Jesus? How am I going to live? What is the purpose of this home that we have found in Jesus? What difference does it make? And that bit in in Matthew 25, it gives us some ideas. The first thing that we learn there is that we are accountable. It talks about separating the sheep from the goats, which is kind of confusing imagery. But what we learn there is that we're accountable. What we do, how we live, what's in our hearts matters and is seen by Jesus. I don't know if you're like me, but when I was younger, I had those like WWJD bands. Anyone else got them? I find this amazing picture of those. It seemed like you had the more that you had the better a Christian you were. That's how it worked, wasn't it? And if you, you had like all the ones that meant different things, like push, which was, anyone know? Pray until something happens. Yes, well done. Frog, fully rely on God. And then the classic was WWJD, what would Jesus do? Uh, and ov- obviously, you know, as I, was, as I was a teenager wearing all of these wristbands, that was like how I quantified my faith. And mostly they just made me feel a little bit guilty because I kind of would forget to pay attention to them until I had done something that Jesus definitely wouldn't do. And then I'd be like, oh no, I have failed. This is, this is not good. I don't really think that Jesus is interested in giving us a guilt trip this morning. In fact, I rarely think that Jesus is interested in giving us a guilt trip. Here's the thing that we often forget whenever we read passages of scripture like that. We are accountable. Yes, absolutely. But we are accountable to one who loves us deeply. We are accountable to one who gave himself for us completely. We're not accountable to a stranger who has objectively assessed our works and then makes a decision based on that. We are accountable to Jesus, who is our savior, our friend, the one we know and who knows us. So I wonder if maybe this year we could flip that and instead of operating with a kind of low-level WWJD guilt, we remember the words of Paul in Colossians, a book in, later on in the New Testament, in chapter 3, where he says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Because you see, the direction of our attention matters. The direction of our attention matters and the direction is towards Jesus. Which means then that our reasoning for why we do things changes. If you're just doing something so that you don't get in trouble, that's not really a great reason because that leaves you just feeling a little bit nervous most of the time. If you're doing something for the joy that comes from knowing Jesus, if you're doing something for him, that changes, that changes how you feel. It may surprise you to know, I don't actually think there are any other central staff here today? I'm about to out us if 
there, there are. But you, it may surprise you to know that actually they have quite a lot of trouble, and I'm removing myself from this equation because I am very tidy, but they are uh, just incredibly slobbish in the, in the staff kitchen. Oh, Kenny's here. Sorry, Kenny, you are also exempt from this. It's like, at times, it is just disgusting. And I, uh, because it really stresses me out, and it's really tiny as well, so like a tiny, messy space is probably one of the worst things um, that you could come across. And it used to really annoy me. And then one day, whenever I was self-righteously throwing things in the dishwasher and having a little rage at myself and also feeling incredibly good about how good I was that I was doing the washing up and nobody else was... God totally convicted me in that moment. And I heard in my mind those words from Colossians. And because I uh, grew up as a Northern Irish Presbyterian, they came in a different translation. So it was work as unto the Lord and not whatever the other one was, working for the Lord, which is a little bit simpler. But I had that in my head. It was like, work as unto the Lord. And in that moment, I, well, I have a choice. Like either I go, oh, no, <laughs> I'm just going to continue raging. Or I realize, okay, you've chosen to interrupt me in the middle of cleaning a staff kitchen when I'm having a little rage to myself because actually my actions that are completely unseen in this moment really matter to you. But more than that, my attitude matters. And so when I embraced that, all my anger melted away. And I realized I get to do this. I get to put this stuff in the dishwasher. I get to clean these dishes as if I'm doing it for Jesus himself. And that does change how you feel. That does change why you do something. And it is always a choice. It's always a choice. I still don't love cleaning the kitchen and I still get annoyed whenever my beloved colleagues leave it in a bit of a mess. But when I do, I choose now, whether I like it or not, because I remember what God said to me and I remember what his word says. I see it as a service to the people that I work with. And more importantly, I see it as something that I am doing for Jesus himself. Our direction changes everything. Our attitude matters and our actions matter too. And in this passage that we read, Jesus goes on to say all these different ways that people cared for him. And some of us are maybe thinking, I don't remember reading that in the Gospels, like when was Jesus in prison? I don't think I remember that bit. And the people he's talking to, they're thinking the same thing. They're saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger invite you in, give you clothes, go to visit you? And Jesus says... The king replies, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. We cannot escape it. Again and again in the gospels, we see Jesus identify himself with the very least. The hungry, the ones who don't have enough, the sick, the prisoner, the homeless, the stranger, and I just don't think that that has changed. The purpose of home in Jesus is that we get to extend home to 
everyone, everywhere. Jesus wants us to be moved with compassion like he was moved. And he wants us to use our means to do incredible things. You know, yes, to start amazing movements and businesses that seek to eradicate homelessness and reach out to prisoners and make sure that children in our city have enough to eat. Those things are so beautiful to God. And our giving to them and our support of them is really important. But actually, I think what Jesus is talking about here is a little bit more personal. It's a bit messier. It is a lot more hands-on. There's a bit more at stake. There's a lot more skin in the game. Who are the hungry or the thirsty that you know, that you see regularly? How can you serve them this year? How can you care for them this year? Maybe it's actually forming a relationship with the homeless person that you walk past every day on your way to work and that often you don't know what to do. Maybe just begin a friendship with them. Maybe it's opening up your home more, even if it's not perfect or finished or you don't think it's good enough. Maybe it's coffee with a friend who's struggling. Are you looking out for the stranger? Are you paying attention to the stranger around you? In your workplace, who is that person that just isn't really always part of things? Maybe they're a little bit odd. That's okay, we're actually all a little bit odd. What about someone that's new to the city that you meet? How could you welcome them in as a literal stranger to this place that we call home? Or at school, if you're a kid at school, is there someone who often sits or plays on their own? How could you welcome them with your friend group this year? What about those who are ill? Maybe they've been sick for a while, so it's something that actually they're just learning how to live with. How could you care for them this year? And actually, I know many of you are already doing that. So if you are, how can you share your experience with others? Because that can sometimes be an intimidating thing to start to do. So if you're really good at that already, then begin to share that experience with others. Or is your heart moved for those in prison? Well, talk to Junction 42 because they have so many opportunities for you to bless those in prison or recently released. And just before this begins to sound like a very large to-do list and it's only the 29th of December and we're all still really full of food, you know, like I said at the beginning, this is about purpose. This is not just another to-do list. This is not just another list of things that we should feel a little bit guilty about and maybe we should try and do, and I'll try and do that a little bit better this year. There is a purpose to this home in Jesus, and it's just that. The vision is now and has always been Jesus. 
This world where people are cared for and provided for is the kind of world that Jesus longed to see in his day when he was here on earth and also that he still longs to see, which is why we read these words. And it all springs from a place not of duty, but of desire. When we are captivated by Jesus, our hearts will be captivated for the things that he is moved by. The more you know him, the more like him you become. And I don't know about you, but I really want that. Like that is the most worthy thing that I can desire this year. The more I know him, the more like him I become, not my version of him, not what other people have told me he is like, not what I think he is like, but what he is like. I let Jesus form me. What if that was what we did this year? What if we were a people who were captivated by Jesus? And because of that, we just became more and more like him. The people that he was saying this to, they asked him this question, when did we see you like this? We don't remember that. And he said to them, when you did even the littlest thing, which I really like that it's like even when you did this small thing, when you did the littlest thing for someone, you were doing it for me. So let's be moved by that this year. Let that be our motivation this year to become every day more and more like Jesus to everyone we meet. I was reading about a fourth century bishop called Martin of Tours. And there's a story told about him that one day um, he was parading, he was a Roman soldier as well, so I imagine he was on a horse, and because that's what they do, right? And he was parading around the town on his horse and he, he saw someone begging on the road and they were wearing hardly anything, no cloak to keep them warm, nothing um, to their name and he had no money to give them but his heart broke for him and this is in the fourth century and here we are in the 21st and we still feel the same way right this is not new information his heart broke for him and so because he didn't have anything to give him other than the clothes on his back he took his own cloak and he ripped it in half and he wrapped it around this man and, and he went on his way, probably thinking, I didn't really do very much at all. That night, he had a dream. And in his dream, he saw Jesus in the courts of heaven wearing this half-ripped cloak. And he heard an angel ask him, why are you wearing that battered old cloak? Who gave it to you? And Jesus replied, my servant Martin gave it to me. You never know. You never know the difference that our small acts of mercy to those around us are making. So to go back to those words in Colossians, whatever we do this year, as we look ahead, as we think back as well, let's work at it 
with all our hearts, not half-heartedly. Let's work at it with all our hearts as if we are doing it for Jesus himself. To see his smile over us, to thank him every day for how he has loved us And because of that, to stretch out that love and that homecoming to everyone that we meet. I'm going to pray for us. So Jesus, yeah, that is our desire, that that we would be more like you. Because sometimes we're just really not. So will you forgive us? for all the ways that we are not very much like you. Will you forgive us for the ways that we don't reflect you? And will you show us how we can reflect you more? Will you change our hearts? Will you captivate us with your love? May we be a people, a church family, who are just more and more in love with Jesus this year. And who are generous with what we have, who stretch out this hope of homecoming to everyone that we meet. We have so much to do, Jesus, and we have so many plans and we have lots of things, even in our church family, that are worrying us or that are concerning us or that are weighing heavy upon us. And all of those things are important, but none of them are as important as you. So may we never lose the vision of you. May we never lose the wonder of Jesus that we have spent the past few weeks reflecting on more and more. Will you recenter us this year back on you? Because you are the point. You are the reason. You are our everything. And that just never changes. And we thank you, God, that you are unchanging. Thank you that you have endless patience for us. And so I pray that as we worship together now, that by your spirit, you will extend some of that endless patience to us. That we may experience your love in a new way, in a fresh way. And that this year will be a year where we are captivated by you and fall more and more in love with you for the sake of those around us, for the sake of this world, for the sake of the city. We love you, Jesus, and we want to love you more. So come, Holy Spirit, move amongst us now. Amen.